Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. All right, the Gospel of Mark, we're going to start reading in chapter 9 and in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd gathered around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet Him. What are you arguing about? Jesus asked them. A man in the crowd said, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I stay with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it is often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Just one more passage of Scripture and it's from the book of James. The book of James, just turn over there. Used to be a lot more rustling a few years ago. Now it's just people clicking a couple of buttons on their smartphone. The book of James chapter one and in verse five. I wanna talk to you this morning while you're turning there about the anatomy of a miracle. The anatomy of a miracle. What a miracle really looks like in the lives of you and me. And I'm really praying that as we share this message this morning that something will really come up alive on the inside of you and you would start to realize, and I want you to know this is important that you hear it, that you're closer to a miracle than you think. That you're closer to an answered prayer than you realize today. That God is more able than you know, more willing than you're yet to realize, and that you're closer to a miracle than you think. James chapter one, and in verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, a double-minded woman, unstable in all they do. Father, I pray You'd open Your Word, You'd breathe in our hearts, and today, above all else, we're believing for miracles, miracles, You do miracles. Miracles are just deeds to You. It's what You do. So do Your thing in this service we ask, in Jesus' mighty Name, Amen, Amen, Amen. Our passage begins by this incredible statement, if anybody lacks, and it's important to just recognize that the Bible gives, gives validity to the thing that in our lives sometimes we find ourselves in a position of lack. Or well, let's put it another way. In our lives, we're gonna have problems. 
If there's one thing that as Christians, I think we need a new understanding of in the 21st century, it is that just because you've decided to follow Jesus, you've got a WWJD bracelet, you know the the songs to the latest Hillsong album, it by no means guarantees that you and I will be immune to a life that has some problems. Problems. Problems are going to happen to you whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Whether you're so pious that you don't even, you know, I don't know, you don't even chew gum, I don't know. But, you know, even though you're so holy, you're like too Christian for your church. Even though you're the most awesome believer to ever, you're super Christian. It's still going to be a reality that in your life you're going to have a, a problem. We're all going to have a problem. Problems are going to happen to each and every one of us. It's not, it's, not, it's not something that you get disqualified from. I found Jesus. I'm never going to know. You're going to be disappointed if you think that because you're a Christian, life is never going to hand to you a difficult day. I know you don't want to amen it, but it's just the truth, and it's important that we understand it. I mean, in John 16, is a verse that I never seen a bumper sticker. I've never seen somebody put it on their fridge magnet. I've never seen anybody put it as a screensaver on their phone, but it is words in red. Jesus did say it. He said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. Or put it another way, he's saying, man, in this world, you're going to have problems, buddy. If you just, just because you become a Christian doesn't think that for a second you're now immune to this common thing that we call difficulty. Hello. In this world, you are going to have problems, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And we need as a 21st century church, a new understanding of this thing that we call problems because problems are not going to be the end of you. They might just be the defining of you. What you think is about to destroy you could be God working something great in you. And as we're coming to a Miracle Sunday, I know a lot of people are thinking about our problems and so we should because we come to the God today who is able to help with our problems. Somebody shout amen to that at least. Our God is able to heal. Our God is able to forgive, to restore, to bless, to transform. Does anybody still believe that there is nothing impossible for our God? Come on, if you believe it, take 10 seconds and praise Him like you believe it. Come on. But let's just get it real clear. The starting point of any miracle is a problem. I mean, you don't come to God believing for a miracle because everything's great, right? So if that's the truth, and if we see God do the greatest things in the face of the worst things, then as a Christian, we should not be surprised or think God's forgotten about us or think somehow we're awful just because in our life we face problems. You're not being tested, you're being trusted. God's not taking you down, He's setting you up. Somebody shout amen. We need a new understanding of problems. I want you to understand, friend, that problems are not bigger than you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, He who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And I reckon somebody came to the service thinking, man, this miracle need is greater than me. This financial lack is greater than me. This problem with my child's health is greater than me. I'm here to tell you that greater is he that is in you. Does anybody here know Jesus Christ? Does anybody still believe that He makes His home in our hearts when we welcome Him in? And the Bible is saying, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. 
That's the devil. In other words, Christ in you is greater than every fiery dart of the enemy that might come against your way. And recognize too, that the moment you just started becoming a follower of Jesus, you got another adversary. And the Bible calls him the devil, right? When we started doing big Easter productions and we started to fill firstly the opera house and then move to other venues, this was my experience. Every Easter in between services in the afternoon, I would be in hospital. One year, my, my daughter ended up with some medication that she'd taken, thinking they're lollies. Another year, my son fell off a trampoline and banged his head, like, which explains a lot. I mean, just like every, every year, it was like another problem. Every year, it was another disaster. Why? Because on that very day, I remember walking into a service one day straight from the emergency room after shoving charcoal down my daughter's throat to absorb these pills. And I was like, devil, you have a shot at my family. Well, watch what's gonna happen in this service. I preach like a man possessed by the Holy Spirit. The altar was filled. Family members in our church are coming back. I'm here to tell you that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, the devil might fire his darts, but you're a victor in Jesus. Come on, somebody shout, I'm bigger than my problems. You are, you're bigger than your problems. Your problems are not bigger than you. The second thing you need to understand about your problems is that we are not subject to our problems. Problems are gonna come to us, but they do not decide us. You need to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. Somebody came to the service today thinking that what you're facing right now is about to define you. It will not and it cannot. And the reason why is that the Bible promises us in Romans 8 verse 28 that God is able. And if He's able, it means He does. God is able to make all things, all things, your current problem, your future problem, your health problem, your finance problem, your marriage problem, your, your difficulty in any arena of life. God can make all things work together for the good of those who, God's gonna turn your test into a testimony. He's gonna turn your mess into a message. He's gonna turn your setback into a set up. Our God is always working always taking His people for, I think 50 people need to praise God a little bigger than that. Come on, come on, come on. That's the God that we serve. Do you believe it? He's a great God. Problems are not the end of you. Problems might be just the beginning of you. Problems might be God just getting you ready for what He really has for you in the days that are to come. We're not trying to live our lives devoid of problems. I never want to be one of those people who just wants to just have a relaxing life. Never. That's eternity, that's heaven. While we're here, let's make a difference. While we're here, let's do something great for God. I tell our staff here to rise, it's been a big year, stretching year, huge year, we've really gone to the limits and next year's gonna be harder. I used to tell them it's gonna be easier, but I realized I was lying. Why? Because we've got a big cause in front of us. God's got a big plan for your life. Listen, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna face more problems, but something's gonna change. Your problems aren't gonna get bigger, but your confidence in God is. Your challenges are gonna continue, but your understanding of how able your God is, is just, you're gonna be like, you think that's gonna mess with me? Ain't nothing. Don't you know where I come from? I can't do it, I'm not of that ethnicity, but you know, you don't know where I'm from. I'm bigger than you now. I've seen greater obstacles than you. Oh, devil, you can have at me all you want, but I am convinced that God is for me. Nothing in hell could ever be against me. Height, depth, 
principality, power, nothing in all of creation is ever going to stop the will of God in my life. If you believe it, let's have 10 seconds of crazy praise. Oh, oh, we've given up on any thought that our life is going to be immune from problems, but this is what we're going to discover. If any of you lacks, anywhere you've got a problem, let them ask God. And right now we're getting to the real start of the clues. So the anatomy is beginning to unfail as we, uh, uh, unravel as we start to realize that we should not our, allow our problems to take us away from God, but we should allow problems to push us towards God. The Bible's literally saying when you've got a problem, increase your God awareness. Increase your God awareness. When you're going through a difficult moment in your life, don't run from Him, run towards Him. When life doesn't make sense, don't run from God and say, I am confused. Run to Him and say, I am confused. Because no matter what you're facing, my friend, I want you to know that God is able to help. The worst moment to pull back from God, to blame God, to forget about God is when things start going wrong in your life. The Bible literally says that there is a seed of destiny sown in your life. And what the devil is gonna do is he's gonna sow other seeds around it to choke that seed and stop it from being fruitful. And you know what it says the other seeds are? Worries, troubles, and the desire for other things. So just because you're going through things, I don't want you to forget about God. Let the seed of your destiny reach higher towards God. You can grow more in a moment of difficulty than you can in years of easy living. I want you to know that what God does in the difficultest moments of most difficult moments, difficultest, I made up a new word. What God does in your life in the most difficult moments is just going to fast forward your maturation. You're gonna grow more in the hard days than in many, many easy days. But God is always working. It would be a tragedy if you're facing some kind of difficult moment in your life and you're like, I'm just gonna run away from God. Oh, the devil's having a party. He's so happy. He's like, yeah, yeah, I did exactly what they want. That's exactly what I wanted them to do. That's great. They're blaming God. It was me, but blame God. Your child's sick, blame God. Yeah, that's awesome. You're going through some kind of temptation. Yeah, give up on your pursuit of God. Just give us play, just run away. He wants to take your fun, run away from God. But when anybody goes through a difficulty, a trial, a setback, a mishap, if something goes wrong, if something's broken in your world, if you discover that the child you love is sick and not looking like they're gonna make it and you get down on your knees and you begin to declare that God, you are always for me, you are always with me, even when I can't make sense of this situation, you are greater than every trial of the enemy, greater than the sickness. I come before you naked. I came into this room and naked I departed in the middle of it. Everything I've got is a bonus, but I'm here for good for you and to give you glory. Let's give God some glory for 10 seconds. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. We're here for Him. If, you, if you're going through a difficult time, increase your God awareness. Man, we want to punish the devil by declaring to him, it doesn't matter what you throw at me, I'm coming back to God every single time. It's not changing the way I feel about my Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's not changing the way I discover the truth of my God. He is always with me, always for me. And this me first, egocentric, narcissistic, self-serving instant generation in which we live, it seems crazy to think 
that somebody that loves you will allow you to go through difficult seasons. But I'm here to tell you that God does love you. And just because he said to Simon, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. And just because you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean God's going to leave you where you are. The next thing you need to know is that if any of you has a problem, he should increase his God awareness. And then it says about our God that he gives to all generously. And man, if we could just get this about God, I want you to understand this, what this is saying about your God. It's saying that God gives to people and he doesn't give small and doesn't give tight and he doesn't give a little bit and he doesn't give only enough and he doesn't give begrudgingly and he doesn't give withholdingly. If you're after a hundred, he doesn't give you 90. The Bible says about God, that He gives to all generously. If you have a need of a hundred, He'll give you a thousand. If you, if you have a problem in your life, He's gonna meet that problem over and above it. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured back into your own lap. Why? Why? Because I want you to understand that what we think is big is small to God. The author of James the epistle is literally trying to get his head around this one thing. It seems so big for God to do that. God gives to all generously because in my mind, whenever God does something, it seems so monumental. Why? Because God is so much bigger than we are. I mean, if I ask you for $100, it's massive for you to give it to me. For God, it's nothing. It's less than pocket change. For God, it's not even an issue. Need a healing for God? It's just like, I spoke and the stars took their place in the heavens. I breathed and a lump of clay became a man. I declared it and light filled the galaxy before the sun and moon were ever made. And if you need a miracle, then your God is able generously. It's just a word to describe. You serve a big God of infinite power. Now praise Him because He is that big. Come on, He is. Four. I'm sorry, fasting makes me passionate this way it is. You serve a God who's big. Serve a God who's described in the way that He moves as being generous. And then it says He gives to all generously. And here's the next phrase that's gonna break something over at least 150 people in this auditorium who are wanting to pray a prayer, but it remains in your mouth and never finds a way through your lips. And if it does make it from your lips, it's one of questioning and not one of certainty. This is what's robbed you of the boldness in your prayer. This is what has caused you to question whether God will ever answer you when you pray. It says you will give to all generously without finding fault. And if the devil has a primary weapon that he uses to cause us to stop asking God for a miracle, especially for the men that are in this room have been taught like me your whole life that you're supposed to lead, supposed to take responsibility for your actions. It is this notion that somehow because of my own faults that God stopped listening. God gives to all generously and He does not find fault. He does not find fault. When you come to God, He's not the mighty fault finder. He's the mighty problem solver. He's the mighty miracle worker. The devil is your accuser and Jesus is your intercessor. And too many believers are letting the devil's voice sound like God's voice. I'm, I'm speaking the truth right now. Oh, the reason why my child is sick is because of what I looked at on the net. The reason why I've got this problem is because I didn't control my temper. The reason why I'm in lack is because I didn't manage my finances well. Put your hand up in this room if you've ever found fault with your own self. Put your hand up right now. The one with their hand down is the most deceived person in the room. We've all got faults, man. 
We've all got failings. Since when do we rank it and categorize it against sin? Only when we allow the devil to have a field day. I'm here to war against the devil this morning. I'm here to declare that when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your failure. He sees the blood of Jesus that was shed for our salvation, our freedom, our forgiveness, and our healing. Come on, somebody shout if you believe that by His stripes we are healed. God made a way where there even was no way. It's not whether you've had a good Christian day or not that decides whether you can ask God for a miracle. Come on, man. When do you get that good? Barnsley read 10 chapters of the Bible this morning. He can pray for a miracle today. What if I didn't? What if it's supposed to be 12? What if he fell short? You better read him right now while I'm preaching. People looking for a miracle, Barnsley, speed read two chapters. At what point are you ready? Never. The point is that God doesn't look at you seeing your faults. He doesn't look at you seeing your past. God's not staring at that stuff. When the devil tries to tell you that it's because of this, that this has happened because of that, you say, well, listen, let's, this is not stop there, devil. Let's heap on. Let's talk about all the things I've done. And then let's remind myself and let's remind you that Jesus died upon the cross and I asked for forgiveness and I am forgiven. And I asked for God to heal me and He did forgive me. I asked for God to bless me and He did forgive me. And the Bible says that He will restore what the locusts even stole from you even what your own folly earned you. That's grace, isn't it? How about we stop believing? I, 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 um, I had a moment with God. I preached a message on this, but I felt to remind people of it in the series today because people join and people are missing for Sundays and things come and go so quickly. But I had a moment in a hotel room in San Diego at about three o'clock in the morning several years ago that totally changed my life. I was reading the book of Leviticus from the New Living Translation. And as I was reading it, I got to this one verse and it said, anyone or anything that touches the altar will become holy. And I said out loud in my hotel room, that must be wrong. I began to search it in other Bibles and I realized that in other translations of the Bible, it said that anyone or anything that touches the altar must be holy, must be. One says will be, one says must be. One says will be, one says must be. And I thought, what is going on? So I began to search it in the original text and I realized that the words must be or will be are actually not there. They're not there. So people are trying to make sense of the Bible and they go two different ways. So I began to search it more and more and more and more and began to realize and read commentaries and look back, read different translations. And I began to realize that for a couple of translators, they did in their own, in their own inability to, in their own, in their own uh, perplexion at trying to, to grasp the wonder, the miracle and the grace of God. They thought, well, if you're gonna come to God, you better be holy. And it is exactly that notion which lets so many prayers remain unprayed in this auditorium. Why you don't want to ask God for a miracle? Because we doubt that we're holy enough to touch Him. Since when did anybody in the Bible or in history or in your understanding of the Scripture ever reach out and touch Jesus and make Him dirty? Since when did unholy ever taint the holy? Since when did our righteousness affect Jesus' righteousness? I want you to know that when you reach out and touch Jesus, you don't change Jesus, He changes you. When you touch holy, holy changes you. And I don't know what kind of sin you've been bound by, what kind of past you've had, what kind of failure you've done, what kind of an idiot you've been, but I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who when He touches us, He changes us, He heals us, He frees us, He forgives us, He restores us. And if you believe He's that kind of God, lift your voice and praise Him right now.
Come on. He is that kind of God. He is that kind of God. Somebody needs to declare over your own life this morning that you are not going to let the devil torment you a moment longer. He is a liar. I got up at four o'clock in the morning in a hotel room, began pacing up and down in that room and declaring over my own life, not because I was in any kind of sin, but because it touched the very core of who I was, changed the way I thought about my own faith, that I didn't need to read 12 chapters to pray for a miracle, that I didn't need to summon up some super spirituality to remain the pastor of a church, but because I've touched Jesus, Jesus has touched me. Come on, somebody take a break and just praise God that when He change, touches you, He changes you. Oh man, you can wait, Jojo. You're doing great though. Thank you for being there. Love you. You're amazing. He gives generously to all and He does not find fault. That's the nature of our God. He does not find fault. And then the Bible says about this person who comes to God that He not only will be generously given to all without finding fault, it then says, and it will be given to Him. See, our confidence when we pray is that when we pray to our God that He hears us. And if God hears us, then He's going to answer the prayers that we pray to Him. If you don't believe me, check out this verse, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that if He hears us, whatever we ask, if we know that if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Matthew 5, 11. It says, though you were evil, you know how to good give gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And then this is where it all really reaches a point that I want to draw your attention to this morning. He says, but when He asks, He must believe and not doubt. He must believe and not doubt. And I think for many Christians, this is again one of those confusing sentences. Because Christians read it and people have preached it. And if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard it, that the way you get miracles, the way you see God answer your prayers is you have to be full of this faith. And the way you get full of this faith is some kind of like internal pump. Like you just, I believe, 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 I believe. And when, when your spiritual muscles look like Savan's shoulders, at that point, God might answer your prayers. When you finally pumped yourself up to a point where you, where, you, where you think that maybe you've got enough belief that God will answer your prayers. Well, this is important that we understand this. We don't have faith in faith. It's not faith in our faith. It's not faith in our faith. You've got to understand the, the, the Scripture that's before it to make sense of this one. The Bible's saying if you have a problem, you can ask God. And the reason why you can ask Him is because He gives generously. He's so big that miracles are just commonplace for Him. What challenge is a radical point that you get to in your life when you realize this. What challenge, what is, let me start again. It's a radical point you get to in your life when you realize that what is challenging you is not challenging God. He gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given Him. But when you ask, don't you change your understanding of the nature and the character of that God. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the nature of the God that we worship. Because the power, the Bible says, when it says we must believe, it literally means to be persuaded or convicted. 
Get it deep on the inside of you that who God is, is who He is. That what God says is what God means. That what God promises is what God will do. Our challenge is not to get to an adult level of faith, but a childlike level of dependency. Every time I tell my family I'm going to the supermarket, my son comes up to me every time and goes, Dad, can I have an up and go? Dad, can I have an up and go? Dad, can I have an up and go? It's like the only sweet thing I'll still buy him. So he's like, Dad, can I have an up and go? 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 And every time he asks, he never once questions whether I'm going to get it. He doesn't give up after the first ask. Joel is rude like that. He just, I'm like, no, and he keeps going. No, and he keeps going. I should stop reading them the parable of persistent widow, the parable of the unjust judge. He needs to stop reading them. He just thinks, man, if I ask, if I keep on asking, then my dad is able to do it. Dad's not, min, my, dad's not mean, dad's not stingy, and two bucks for an up and go, dad can probably afford it. And he's saying, man, if I ask, I'm gonna get it. So he just keeps on asking. And I want you to know that your faith is is not in your own faith for a miracle. Your faith is not in this man, I feel my hands are on fire. Miracles are gonna happen because I got miracles in my hands. It's not about that. It's about an understanding that you serve a God who is able, a God who is willing, a God who is generous, a God who finds no fault in you, a God of love and grace towards you. And our faith is in Him. The Bible's saying, don't change your understanding of who God is. That's what it's saying. And friends, all over this auditorium, I believe that God is looking for somebody today. He's looking for somebody today that is going to realize that your faith is in God alone. We need to just stop doubting Him. This incredible passage of Scripture um, that we find here with this, with this boy who suffered the seizures, who's been blind, I mean, mute, cannot speak, the day that he was born. It's such a moving story. Jesus has been on the mountain. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because Jesus was on the mountain and had one of his best moments with God. He comes down the mountain and the first thing that he finds is a problem. Have you ever found like God speaks to you? And then you, you know, like your best quiet time is followed by your worst domestic morning. You know what I'm talking about? Like, your, your, greatest, your greatest point of God revelation, then you open the mail and it's the largest power bill you've ever had. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just problems, problems. And eventually the Bible says that this, this, this man and his father are brought before Jesus. And the man begins to describe the condition and what is wrong with his child. And then he says to Jesus, ask him a question. He says, how long has he been like this? And I really felt to say this today, that the longevity of the problem is something that always got Jesus' attention. You will find, if you read the Gospels carefully, that often Jesus asked about the length of the problem. The woman with the issue of blood had been suffered from the bleeding for 14 years. We know it, it's in the Bible. The man at the pool of Siloam had been there for 38 years. We know it, it's in the Bible. And no matter how long you've been praying for a miracle, I want you to understand that in the way that God thinks, the length of the problem increases His attention towards you. You've got to know that. How long has He been like this? 
The man said, since he was a child. And then the man added, if you can, do anything. Would you take pity on us? Would you take pity on us? Would you, would you do a little bit for us? Could you do anything? And Jesus just said, if you can, if you can. No, no, no. Anything is possible for him who believes. And as we believe for miracles this morning, I believe that all over the service, God wants somebody in this room to realize. He needs you to know that if you have a lack, you can ask God and He'll give to you generously without finding fault and it shall be done for you. Don't you doubt Him. Because just because you've been experiencing that problem for a while, that situation's been dark for a long time, don't doubt for a moment the compassion and the love and the power of your Jesus. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.